Here we go with the latest SBL shoot around. We take a look at everything from the men's competition with a man who's created a remarkable coaching legacy after a 200-game playing career. Ben Etridge joins Chris Bright to bring you another men's SBL shoot around. Hello and welcome to episode 16 now of SBR Shootaround. All of a sudden, three weeks to go until we're heading into the finals of the West Coast Classic. So every game now between the teams in the running is taking on extra significance and and even some new teams are putting their hand up to be in the finals race and maybe some favourites are starting to stumble a little bit. So plenty to talk about in regards to the West Coast Classic here on SBR Shootaround this week and we're... We're really heating up in terms of our guests as well. Fresh off speaking to Mark Worthington only a week ago. We've had Andrew Vlahov. We've had we've had Aaron Traher. And now it's time for another Perth Wildcats great on the show this week and somebody who's also synonymous with my co-host and the SBL for what he's done locally as well and doing some great things off the court away from basketball as well. So plenty to talk about once again on this week's SBL Shootaround. I'm Chris Pike, but the man that you've all tuned in to hear from and that's and the man who's going to have a fascinating chat with our guests this week as they reconnect from their championship days, but also from from some days as oppositions as well in the SBL. Ben Etridge, thanks for joining me. Yep, great to be here, Chris. And again, uh, probably you know, seven, eight weeks ago, we we didn't think we would be sitting here talking about a, a final series, which is just around the corner for for a lot of us. So um, yeah, really exciting time in the in the West Coast Classic and. Again, can't wait to, to see how the next three weeks uh, unfold. Yeah, I'm really excited how it's shaping up. All of a sudden, by my calculations, I think we've still got eight teams with a real chance of still playing playing finals, and, and, and that's really exciting. So we'll get into that plenty more on this week's show. But before we move on, our special guest for this week, Ben, is somebody that you've got a lifelong connection with because you shared a championship together at, well, who was the Wanderer Wolves at that time. Um, it, was, it was interesting when he didn't play for the Wolves as well. You, you had a, a couple of little interesting moments as opposition player and coach as well. Who are we looking forward to speaking to this week? Oh, look, the, the one and only Greg Hire. You know, the, the man, the myth and the legend that is Greg. Someone that was uh, an extremely effective and efficient player at the SBL level and then got every ounce of um, ability out of his body to, to forge out a, a very long and illustrious NBL career. Um, and, you know, those lessons that he's learned along from basketball, he's now applying those in his in his off-court ventures and, and involved in some pretty huge projects and, and things like that off the court. But, yeah, look, Greg and I have always had a very, very good relationship. I was... Uh, Greg's high school phys ed teacher when he was 12 years of age. Had him in, in uh, the specialist basketball program at Woodvale and, and forged a, a lifelong relationship with him uh, You know, through through that. Um, and Greg is someone that I would always welcome onto one of my teams, not just because he's a he's a great player, but he's a great leader of men and, and the way he goes about you know the job of basketball and preparing for basketball and all that is, is he at an extremely high level. So got a lot of love for Greg and looking forward to having a chat to him and see how he's getting through this these times with uh, not a lot of basketball on his plate and uh, what's fatherhood like for him and, and all those things. So, uh, But, yeah, it should be a, another good chat to, to, to Greg. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't go quite back as far as you do with him, but I've known him for 10 years now from when he first came to the Wildcats and, you know, fresh back from college, trying to get a spot as a development player. And you have a look at that player that he was then 
he would have been lucky to play one NBL game, but it was just through his sheer work ethic and and his desire to to make the most of himself. He transformed his body, transformed his game. He was a he was a, a genuine power forward when he played in your championship in 2011 with the Wolves. But throughout the latter, latter half of his NBL career, he'd become a two guard, and it, it was. It was through the the hard work that he had put in to become mobile enough, become to become quick enough at that at that point of his career that is it was just remarkable to see his transformation and his dedication to his craft and to end up being a four time NBL championship winner, two hundred plus games with the Wildcats was just remarkable and and to add to that he's played you know almost two hundred SBL games, he's a grand final MVP in the SBL. And on top of that, he's played for Australia now in three-on-three basketball at the World Cup. He's won gold medal for Australia at the Asia Cup in three-on-three basketball. He's the number two ranked three-on-three player in the country. And away from basketball, he is one of the leading advocates of mental health, not only in WA, but right throughout the country. Um, To say we've got a fair bit to talk to him about would be a, a great understatement. Yeah, look, as I said before, Greg's one of those people that's got every ounce of talent out of his body. You know, the, the national sport of, of Hungary, which is where he's from, is, is tractor pulling and <laughs> also turnip throwing. And I'd say if Greg looked at his body 10 years ago, that's probably what he was more built for. Absolutely. Um, but he, he's, you know, again, he was the sort of kid that he would come to practice and he would have all his food weighed out and he'd have the amount of water that he needed to drink and how many calories he needed to burn because he knew that's what he had to do to to change his path and that's what he that's what he wanted to do and he was very very focused on that and that's that became his goal and he he dragged uh, a lot of those guys along with him and the, the the championship that we won in in 2011 greg greg laid the foundation for what it meant to be a member of the the, the june love wolves and um we still talk about his work ethic and and he was ingrained into a lot of the culture and the values that we did and again his impact that he was able to have on that team he's now taken it to that next level with his work with the stitching time and and all the work that he does in the mental health space um it, it cannot be undervalued um, and to see him doing that just makes me very very proud he's, he's not the little kid with braces and knock knees mm-hmm. that i met as a 12 year old now he's a mm-hmm. he's a fully fledged um father of two gorgeous kids and and, and a great dad and, and does all those things that um you, you'd want one of your players to be able to go on and, and become absolutely absolutely yeah. that, that's why he was such a such an important figure at the Wildcats because he was such a role model, such a leader, and, and and just such a leader in so much more than just what he provided in the minutes on the court. So plenty for us to talk to Greg about. So we'll have him on the show later on SBL Shootaround. Going back to last week, Ben, we spoke to Mark Worthington. He was he was looking forward to catching up with you on Saturday night when he slammers played your Eastern Suns. And one thing he mentioned to us was that he was really proud of the all of the effort that these young Slammers players were putting in, he just wanted them to get a little bit of reward for effort. Unfortunately for you, they got that reward on Saturday night. And credit to them for doing that. They uh, had a had a you know had a bit like us had a pretty up and down sort of season. Got close a couple of times and, and have managed to squeak out a couple of wins um, here and there. But um, Saturday night's game was as good a game that I've been involved in. Probably in in this West Coast Classic, throw in the. Um, the June Lup game that we, we mm. went down to the wire and lost. You know, both teams, it was going bucket for bucket, stop for stop, and came down to clutch free throws at the end by one of the, the Slammers boys. And, and you know, we had a chance to get a shot off with 0.4 of a second and, and couldn't quite make it happen after a timeout. So, you know, that's as good as it's going to get. Um, but games like that, and, you know, 24 boys got to, to play in a game that went down to the wire and 
both Mark and or both Marks actually mm. got to coach a game and coach their coach their troops through some tough stuff and and get the job done. So um, yeah, really really high quality game played really in a real tough competitive manner and it was a great way to spend a Saturday night. Yeah, good to hear. As for my Saturday night, I spent that in Rockingham and I saw Jackson Hussey put his hand up for for MVP of this West Coast Classic. He delivered a a stunning performance against the Joondalup Wolves for Rockingham. It was a Flames team that probably needed him to, to do something special if they were going to win with Ryan Godfrey still not playing. And he, he had 30 points to half time, ended up with 45 for the game. And the Flames scored scored the upset win, which I think has a double effect. It keeps them in the finals race just, but gee, the, the Joondalup Wolves, who we have thought are pretty much championship favourites throughout this whole thing and coming into this competition, all of a sudden they're outside the top four and they've got some work to do. And a massive, massive game there from Jackson. I know we spoke about that earlier on. Um, he seems really focused on on this season. You know, it almost reminds me of a uh, Russell Westbrook type game where yeah. you know he's got forty five points. He's at the free throw line thirteen times. The big one for me is he, he drew twelve fouls in the game. So whoever they were throwing at him, he was managing to to draw a foul. Um, but just you know, Huss is someone that we know goes about this very professionally. His preparation is always high and. You know, given those styles of games and maybe not as many big guys at the rim, um, this just sort of opens up the, the, the game for Hussey. But um, showing definitely that he is a next-level talent. Maybe another one of these boys that we talk about, if things maybe if there's 10 or 12 NBL teams, Jackson Hussey's sitting on a roster at that next level. Should have he already been given more of a chance in the NBL? You've known him, known him for a long time. You've coached him. You've coached against him. Should have he already been given a chance in the NBL before this? Yeah, he's another one that I had the privilege of being there for Ed teacher at Wilton Senior High School. Yeah. Um, taught him in, in year 11 before he headed off to to the AIS. Look, you know, Huss is one of those guys. It's probably, there's always been just a, a couple of guys. I know in his class at the uh, at the AIS was a guy like Hugh Greenwood and Matthew Delavadova. So, you know, he's always had those guys a little bit ahead of him. He's had to compete. He's had to fight for everything he's had to do. And again, it comes down sometimes to the lifestyle that you want to lead. If you're prepared to sit as a DP and, and not earn a lot of money, um, then you're going to do that. But if you need to go and find a find a way to, to make a living and, and that you need to make those choices. Um, so maybe that's sort of where it's at with, with Huss. Mm. But definitely someone that, a bit like a Kyle Armour, given the opportunity, you speak to any of the, the those teams where these boys have been a part of, um, the coaches speak very very highly of them about their work ethic and and what they were doing so yeah look just sometimes the cards don't fall your way but at this level Jackson Hussey's uh, almost unstoppable what about the Joondalup Wolves now with that loss they did win on Friday night against Perry Lakes but this loss now means that they've lost three of their last five games we don't expect Lee Roberts to come back they did get Rob Huntington back on the weekend. So now they're 6-3. They're outside of the top four, and they've got games to finish against East Perth, Lakeside, Southwest, Slammers, and Williton. Um, do they make the finals from here? And if they don't, would they be the one team that would be most disappointed to miss out, given they have thrown a fair bit into this into this competition? I think for the Wolves, it's, you know, again, they, they came in and uh, at the last minute uh, added a Lockie and a, and a Lee Roberts and it sort of might have changed their goalposts as to where they were thinking they were going to be. And, and look, early on, they, um, they've got a few wins. They beat Redbacks in that first week, which we'd now look at Redbacks as being someone that started to cement themselves. So uh, in that top four, um, you know, and that was a bit of the, the residual of that group keeping those core group together. Um, you know, I know, you know, the, the Huntington, Salinas, Iliadis combo were perhaps thinking, are they going to 
play or they're not going to play and they've done the right thing by the club and, and by the competition and they've, they've jumped on board and, and played and made it made it a, a strong stronger competition by having them there. Probably the only thing that you know they need to sort of look at now is as I'm looking at the minutes from that weekend games, again, the their top sort of six guys are all playing 30 minutes plus and their mm-hmm. development guys are all under 10 minutes. Yeah. Uh, are they going to change their focus and look at it as an opportunity in the next four weeks to to get some minutes into the Gabe Chadinas and the Hamish Cummings and those guys who are going to form part of their core for next year? Or do they sort of keep going the way they've gone and try and, you know, if you look at their, their run home, they probably could go two and two. Um, so do they push for to go four and oh, which means they're going to play these older guys a lot more? Or do they say, you know what, we've had a good run, the, the older guys have had a, had a chance? We're now going to develop and, and get some quality minutes in the next four four games or so into these next level kids. So um, I don't know what their focus was. Uh, we can only speculate. Um, if it was to to take out the WCC, then yeah, maybe it's a bit of a uh, missed opportunity. If it was to keep the older guys together and give them another run around, that sort of worked. Um, if it was to develop their kids, maybe that's something that they can do at the back end of this um, this tournament. So who who knows? Yeah. We, we touched on the Goldfields Giants the last couple of weeks, so maybe we don't need to spend a lot of time on it, but they just continue to deliver. Wayne Craig's now found a starting five that is as good as any in this West Coast Classic, and they're not they're not getting a lot outside of the, their starting five, but when they've got the two bigs in, in Majigarang and Mayo Malik, and then the versatility that, that Reed, Clastorny, and Ballantyne are giving them, they... they they beat the Lakeside Lightning again on the weekend. They're undefeated in Kalgoorlie for the season. They're they're four and four, so they might still struggle to make the finals. But but gee, they're they're impressing me with, with everything that they're doing right now. And as we've spoken about quite a bit, um, you know, Creaky's doing a great job. The the only thing that I might see as an issue for them moving forward is with the success that these these guys are having. You always got to think there's usually that one you know. One player they get from over east or South Australia that comes in as a as a uh, unrestricted uh, and two imports suddenly in that starting five, which is really starting to click and, and play well in this tournament. Three of those guys have to move to the bench. Sure. Yep. Are okay, they now? Are they man- Are they going to be able to manage that? Is uh, for example a Fletcher Clastorny? Is he going to be happy going back to being sixth or seventh man off the bench? If the answer is yes. That's amazing. That means that those boys are buying into the system because um, you're definitely not going to bring in two imports and have them mm-hmm. coming off the bench. They've also got to look around and say, yes, this is working for us in the WCC when the rest of the teams are fully loaded. Where would we sit? So, yeah, they're, they're doing a great job. Um, but uh, for me, it'd be how do we go about that man management of a few of your, your roles are going to change next year and are you prepared for that? And on the flip side, you'd want to hope that they've got those uh, those two big boys, the Twin Towers, locked up because I, I know mm. for a fact that there's at least three teams in the metro area that are going to be gunning hard for them. So Absolutely. that's the next thing. Are they going to dro- is is the offers from the metro area going to drive their price up to a point that the Giants can't afford to pay, or they can just mm. say, "Well, look, here's what we can give you. We can give you all the opportunity in the world." End of the day, when the bank account jumps up a couple of hundred bucks every week, yeah. That's what some guys are after as well. So there's a few things uh, on the table there. But look, Wayne's doing a great job and they are performing. So hopefully they're building those bonds, getting nothing bonds a team better than a few wins. They, they could be building something pretty special. I like how the Bucks seem to have pulled something out of the fire for this competition as well. It looked like they were in real trouble once. They lost both Hunt brothers and it looks looked like it was going to be an ugly 
finish to the season once they lost that first home game to the Senators by 48 points. But with the with the experience of Ralph Wandenberg and Carter Cook now around them, um, you know, Braden Inger continues to, to develop. He's an exciting talent. And they've got some some young guys like like River Joseph and, and Johnny Narkle. So they're getting some time into some young kids, you know, with the experience leading the way. Um, I think the Bucks are actually going to end up get, taking a lot out of this West Coast Classic. And for for these these teams, it is about getting the, those opportunities, and um, we know what their sort of big three can do. And if you chuck in Carter Cook as well, you know mm. Cook, Wonderberg, Inger, and Ralph—they've been around the league for a long, long time. You know, unearthing a, a Johnny Narkle—that's great for them. Um, someone that I'm really impressed with and think perhaps could get a little bit more time is Xavier Garnett Shaw. He's sure. a very, very serviceable Definitely. backup big, and um, maybe his minutes increase next year if if Matt Wonderberg's minutes go down, or if not, they've definitely got a uh, you know, a, uh, a guy there that can come on and contribute um, at an SBL level. So yeah, look again, they wouldn't be looking too far past the end of this year, but. Um, you know, as far as well, what they've got to do in the next couple of weeks, uh, but definitely there's some good signs for them moving into 2021. Now, just to wrap up this first segment before we take a look at the results in more detail, like I said, I genuinely think we've got got eight teams that could still still make the final. So I've got the Giants still in the hunt. They can't afford to lose another game, but if they end up, I think finishing with with nine wins, they'd go pretty close to, to making it. So we've still got Rockingham in the hunt. They're, they're on five wins. And then we've got the Wolves and the Wilton Tigers, who they're the real surprise packets. They still haven't played a bad game. They still could be nine and zero because their three losses were were really all all right, right at the death. So they're six, six and three. And then in the top four, we've got the Redbacks at seven and three, Lightning six and two, Hawks eight and two, the Senators seven and one. To have three weeks to go, eight teams all in the hunt, that's pretty exciting. How, how how do you see it finishing up? Which four teams do, would you back into to make it from here? Uh, I would think that um, barring Lakeside's um, outs, which on the weekend we'll talk about a bit later, there's mm. a, quite a few outs for them. Um, you know, I would think that our top four is pretty set. Maybe one team moving out, um, and the team that I would think, given the the they've played the fewest games there and got the, the most losses is, is Lakeside. You know, a, a Williton is really only one game behind them um, in the loss column. So, yeah. you know, Lakeside drops one to a Joondalup maybe who's who could be making another push. I think, you know, Williton seem to have, you know, hit their straps and are, are riding high. But, yeah, look, if Lakeside can get their full complement back, I would think our top four is pretty set. Either way, it's going to be an exciting finish. So speaking of exciting, there was plenty of great action in round six in the West Coast Classic. So when we come back, we'll go through all of those results in a bit more detail. Now, let's start off with Friday night up at HBF Arena. It's always loomed as being a pretty exciting game. It didn't disappoint. June Love Wolves ended up beating the Perry Lakes Hawks 85-77. to Lachlan Cummings didn't end up seeing out the game. He got he got his second tech foul in the fourth quarter, but Salinas Iliadis Maxwell got the job done for, for the Wolves, and it was an important win, especially given what was to happen 24 hours later. And I think if you look at that spread of scoring there for the uh, for the Wolves, um, four or five guys all in double figures and, and high double figures, that's a, that's a pretty good balance. Um, Lockie Cummings going against his uh, former championship yeah. teammates. Maybe they got into him a little bit there and the emotions overtook him. Um, 
But, yeah, look, uh, not a surprise um, given the, the sort of head-to-head that both the Hawks and the Wolves have had over the time. But, yeah, good result for the Wolves uh, you know, on Friday night. It was. Now, the game that I saw at Belmont, last home game of the season for the Perth Redbacks. So they go through having won all of their home games in the West Coast Classic and it puts them in the in the top four, at least for now. They've only got two games to go. They've got three games to go, sorry, over the last three weeks. So they, they still need to keep winning. But they got the job done. After a slow start against the Eastern Suns, ninety to, to sixty-three, and a game that uh, I had to watch the the broadcast on. Hats off to the the commentators on that one; they did do a, a, a good job. How was Darcy Garvin? Um, but she was very good. Her knowledge of the the men's program was, was excellent. I think she might have had a little bit of help from Ryan Petrick, uh, yeah. just um, sort of giving her a few extra stats. But just again, a, a high level player, and her her knowledge of the game and um, thoughts on the game were, were very very good. It was actually yeah. a, a good game to watch. But look, yeah, clinical from the Redbacks. Um, a fast start from our guys and a, a good start to the third quarter. Um, for us, but yeah, just the class of Caleb White was a bit too much, and as we've sort of said for a while now, once these uh, Redbacks start to play the way CJ wants them to play, which is very much a up-tempo, fast-paced game, sharing the ball, um, they look very, very good and very, very dangerous. Yeah, they they do. I think if they end up making the finals, they're they're a real chance to to go all the way in the in this competition. Last up on Friday night, down at Eden Recreation Centre, Wilden Tigers, they kept their winning form going there. They're probably probably the team flying right under the radar right now. They got the job done, eighty-one to fifty-seven over the Southwest Slammers. Yeah, big double double for Mitch Keller in this one, and mm. Connor Mitchinson, thirteen points, five rebounds, three assists, three steals—a good all-round game for the young Wilton point guard there. Yeah, and the Tigers just keep 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 winning. They're they're really knocking on the door of the top four now. So Stephen Black doing a great job. Saturday night, Geraldton and Buccaneers. Too good for the Coburn Cougars, and unfortunately for the Cougars, they, they got Jared Holmes and Saber Chan back, who we've talked about how much they've missed in the last couple of weeks, but they had no Gavin Field and no Luke Travers for this trip to Geraldton, so that made made life pretty tough, and the Bucks beat them 77-63. to 63. Yeah, and I didn't know they were still printing these for the West Coast Classic, but it looked like this weekend the uh, the old veterans card got pulled out in a few of these games with um, Gav Field not travelling up the, up to the Bucks there, so... <laughs> yep, yep. Um, it, you know, it does happen. But, yeah, look, the, the the Bucks, as we said, you'll never tip against them up there. Um, they'll always always fight hard in front of their, their, their fans. And Carter Cook looks like he's starting to hit round into a bit of form, yeah, uh, yes. 15 points and five rebounds. But, yeah, yeah the Bucks up there are always going to be tough. Then also Saturday night, the Warwick Senators, they, they just keep on winning. And even though they were a little bit down on manpower, I don't think they had – Caleb Davis or Justin King or a couple of others for this trip down to Mandra, but they still got the job done, 93 to 73. Yeah, the veterans card got punched there for yeah. the for the Senators and uh, big game for Ash Litterick. Um, you know, if he starts to find a bit of form uh, in his limited sort of um, playing time, um, just gives them a quality five that uh, not many teams at the moment can match up on. Um, and Cody Ellis same, finding a bit of form there with 19 points as well. Yeah, Absolutely. Now the Goldfields Giants, they just they keep winning as well on their their home floor up in Kalgoorlie. Lakeside missing some players, no Jay Bowie, Michael Vigor, again the, the the old veterans cards there. But I thought I thought Bowie, yep. if he was fit, would have wanted to make the trip back to where he played last year. No Corey Sherville, as we've talked about. We think Rowan McKenzie's now done because he's gone back to college. And Jack Eisenbarger comes in, plays one game, hits the game winner, and and goes back to to, to sitting out as well. And as a result, the Giants were too good, 67 to 58. Yeah, uh, 
great balance there. I think they had five guys in double figures um, for the Giant um, and, you know, serviceable effort there by Andrew Ferguson. Uh, but, yeah, when you take out essentially a, uh, a starting five, if you will, Bowie, Vigor, Sherville, McKenzie and Eisenbarger mm-hmm. would be a, a handy starting five for anyone. Absolutely. It's a big hole to fill. So credit there to um, to Dave Daniels and, and taking the kids up and, and giving them a chance to play against, you know, uh, on the road in front of a, a hostile crowd up there in the Giants um, against a team that's um, sort of setting the, the league on fire a little bit. Mm. Um, you know, that's sort of what the West Coast Classic is about, to, to give those kids the opportunity to, to, to play in those games. Now, the game we talked about earlier with Jackson Hussey just catching fire. Rockingham Flames beat the June Lake Wolves 82-76 to in Rockingham. What I liked about Hussey in the second half was that the Wolves obviously focused their defence on him, given what he that he'd already had 30 points on the board. Reese Maxwell tried to lock down on him. They tried to trap him and get the ball out of his hands as much as possible. But as we know, he's a, he's a good passer and he's, a, he's he's very good at finding his teammates. And Justin Bid hit some massive shots. Travis Durden did the same. And the Wolves were always going to come and, and Treon Iliadis hit some big shots late. But it was Justin Bid that hit a couple of massive shots late on passes from Jackson Hussey that got the job done. So all around, a really, really good performance from the Flames who had been struggling the last couple of weeks up until then. And a lot of that was to do with personnel being yeah. out and then that lack of consistency. And, you know, Dernan was injured last weekend and without uh, Ryan Godfrey as well. And, you know, the, the way you sort of explained the game to me, it just sort of sounded like the Wolves changed the station a little bit. Um, it's one thing to you know, try and put pressure on on someone that's having a good game. But if you've watched them play um, throughout this year, they, they haven't really played that style of trapping and pressing mm. and uh, that sort of style. So... Perhaps that wasn't really the the way to go about it. Um, if that's not how their style of play that they have been playing, um, and again, when you're looking at the sort of minutes that their their starters and and first guy off the bench are logging, uh, when you start running around double teaming and trapping and all that, it does start to wear take its take its toll and wear wear you down. So, um, and on the flip side, the Flames have probably faced that all year with with Hussey being the focal point and and people trying to stop him. So, good to see Justin Beard and and Dernan ready to step up and and take those shots. Now, one thing I wanted to mention as well, this was my first trip to Rockingham for the season. I don't think you've been down there this season, but really impressed with what they're doing now with that stadium. They've always had that good that good grandstand on the far side of the court, but now, and then there was always that big gap of nothing on the other side, but all of a sudden they've now replicated that grandstand on the other side. So virtually the exact same amount of seats, the, the same colour, the, the old maroon and black seats as well, but almost the same amount of seats on the other side of the court now as well. So that probably gives it... The most most seats of any stadium, I think, I think in the competition. So that's fantastic. But they've also now got a scoreboard on each side of the court, so we no longer have to have to break our necks by turning around to 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 see that. Or wherever you are in the building, you can now see a scoreboard. Just little things as well, like every time the Flames hit a three pointer in both the women's and the men's games, they had they had fireworks set up behind the ring, and they went off and. It's just little things like that. You're now providing a great venue. You're providing a great game night atmosphere. I, I really like a lot of what Rockingham's doing down there. And that's what it's about. We're in the, essentially in the entertainment industry. Hmm. Uh, people are paying money to come and be entertained for two hours of a women's game or four hours of a, if they're there for both. And mm-hmm. um, that's that level of professionalism that it's great to see that the, the, the clubs are starting to step up to and, and put on that show because – um, it is the second highest level of basketball that that you can play in this country. Um, you know, the, if it does become NBL one, it is only one step above um, where we're all going to be. And yeah. um, there's no reason why, uh, if the product on the floor is going to that level, uh, then you know the clubs stepping up their off-court presentation of the games 
um, just takes it along to, to be a much bigger showcase. And, again, you know, it's a family night out. And you want people to be engaged and entertained and, and coming back um, to, to this great sport. Yeah, for sure. Um, also, Saturday night, this game, the game probably did the entertaining for it. They put up 214 points between them, Perry Lakes and East Perth. The Hawks ended up winning narrowly, 110 to 104. And I think, again, you know, um, Luke Coburn's doing a great job. He's, he's got these East Perth boys playing hard and Shaq Maharaj is probably a revelation for them. And Kieran Berry there with 23 points, eight assists. We know that can do great things. But the ever-consistent, you know, Ryan Smith and Cooper Hamilton, Ben Purser, even Austin Kisilev, who's been around the league for a while, those those guys, are they know how to get it done and, and win close games down the stretch. Now, the last game of the weekend, the game we've already touched on, so you can just let us know. Whatever else you'd like to add about this one, Southwest Slam is 74, beat the Calamander Eastern Suns 73. Yeah, and again, uh, a, a great game. You know, Mark spoke to us last week about how he's pretty um, pretty happy with, with the boys and what they're doing down there for him and, and they're buying into his system and, and all that sort of stuff. And for us, it's just another opportunity for our guys to... To, to get involved and, and be around a, a quality game of basketball. You know, we games going down. Last year, I think I worked it out that they'd lost 12 games by less than five points. Yeah. Um, and there are things that we've spoken about that that's what take you from being a, a good team to a great team. And you only get to improve in those situations if you're in those situations. So that's what we're about. We're trying to get better each week. You know, we had a long, hard look at, at Luke Franklin and, and how he supported us on the weekend as well. And we were perhaps a little bit disappointed in, in the way he got, got around the team. So we'll be having a chat to him tonight and, and looking for ways that he can perhaps be ready for that Rockingham Flames game and, and really keep making that push for uh, for personality of the year. So he, he didn't fire up enough. Is that what you're saying? I think he was a little bit too close to the Slammers boys. I'm not sure really? what was going on, but he seemed to be seemed to be celebrating them in the warm ups and and reaching out for high fives, which um, caught the eye of a few people around the place as, as something a little bit weird. But yeah, look, we'd be expecting him to bounce back this this weekend and and put in two good good performances against oh. a very good Warwick Senators and a and an on fire Rockingham. I, I saw him Friday night. He was proudly wearing his shirt with SBL shirt around Personality of the Year on the back. Disappointing to hear he just didn't back it up on. On Saturday, are you saying that he might have put the cart before the horse? He's, he hasn't actually won the the, the award yet. <laughs> yet he's got the he's got the t shirt made up. He sure um, has. As I've he's... said to him a few times, it's it's his award to lose. He hasn't won it yet, so um, maybe he needs to put pending or you know to be announced or something like that, just so people don't get confused and the accolades don't start to to wash over him too early. That's might be might be my words of advice for him tonight. Well, that that t shirt might become obsolete. He's not guaranteed anything right now, and if you're getting around the opposition right now, and the opposition ends up beating your team by a point at the end of the night, it might be it might have been he, his little bit of motivation that that helped cause that result. Look, we'll, we'll address all angles, um, <laughs> and every avenue will be will be gone. We'll go down every one to uh, to improve his performance. Okay, so that was that was round six in the West Coast Classic. We've already talked about the standings, but I'll just quickly run through the standings, Ben. You can let me know what you think. The top four right now, we've got the Warwick Senators seven and one. The Perry Lakes Hawks eight and two, Lakeside Lightning six and two, and the Perth Redbacks seven and three. Then just outside, Willard and Tigers six and three, the Joondalup Wolves six and three, Rockingham Flames five and four, the Goldfields Giants four and four, and then those that are probably out of the running: the Geraldton Buccaneers three and six, Coburn Cougars three and six, Calamander Eastern Suns two and seven, East Perth Eagles two and seven, Southwest Slammers two and seven, and the Mandurah Magic. One and seven. What do you make of it? 
I think as we've spoken along all, all, all the way through, you know, those teams that are, are, are eyeing um, next season and, and preparing for that are, are really starting to come to the forefront. And those sort of, you know, bottom four or five teams that perhaps through personnel-wise or ports not being available, they're really getting a, a great look at, you know, Who's 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 ready to play SBL or NBL one next year? But yeah, look, I'm looking at those uh, Warwick Senators and the and the Perry Lakes Hawks. I'm thinking one of those two teams is going to be there in the uh, the last weekend of September. You would think so. And if, as we know, if you get a if you finish top two, you end up getting a home final for one of those semifinals to play off for a grand final spot. So especially pl- having to play at Warwick Stadium, having to try to beat the Senators, that would be that'd be a big ask. Yep, as it would be at Perry Lake Stadium. Sure. Uh, it's very, you know, it's the, the Senators' new stadium is a very, very nice place to play and I'm sure that the, those uh, Senators boys would relish the opportunity to have a final on their home court. The, the advantage, as, as we always know, for the Hawks is that grand final is always played on their home floor as well. Mm. So they essentially get two games in a row uh, on their home court, which is a, uh, a massive advantage for them. Neither team has lost on their home floor yet this, this season. So, yeah, I think finishing top two will have a significant say in who ends up making the grand final. But we've still got three weeks to go to find out who ends up there. That was round six in the West Coast Classic, Ben. And when we come back, really looking forward to having our chat to the four-time NBL Championship legend from the Perth Wildcats, really, SBL Grand Final MVP, Greg Hire. Okay, back here on SBR Shoot Around, and this is a real treat for us, Ben. He's a he's a man that, as we've talked about, I've known him for ten years now, from when he first came down to the Wildcats, and you've known him for a lot longer than that. So it's a a great pleasure for for someone that's now turned himself into a Perth Wildcats legend and to one of the great mental health av- advocates in in Australia, really, for the work he's doing. Greg, thanks very much for joining us. Oh, my absolute pleasure. I wouldn't say Perth Wildcats great, but I'll, yeah, I'll say strong mental health advocate. I'll, I'll claim that to fame. So, but no, I really appreciate having me on board. Um, what's it like when you, when you when you now come onto a guest? I know that you've been doing your own 3x3 podcast to help out the NBL. You do a lot of talking yourself. What's it like now when you come onto to a show as a guest? Does it take the pressure off a little bit not having to, to be the host? <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, look, I mean, when I've got two co-hosts, I have the pleasure of working with some capacity, with whether it's Wildcats or my old SBL coach and, mm. or even high school teacher. Yeah. Um, it's always unique, but I think um, it's always good, especially you know, I'm an advocate of, of um, local basketball and the community that, that that brings. And it's always interesting to get different takes from all different sort of personalities. So, don't get me wrong. It's, I'm, I'm not nervous in a way, but, <laughs> but I, yeah, I, I, I think when you run out, run out in front of twelve thousand fans, that pressure, pressure compared to being on a on a phone call is uh, is, is a little bit slightly less <laughs> um, stressful. So I'll, I'll take that. Uh, absolutely. I mean, when I think back to ten years ago when we first met each other and you came down to the Wildcats, and at that point you were just hoping to be a development player. And now, you know, I remember we, we started out your, your column with the, the local Joondalup newspaper up there and, you know, I'll put you up for your first press conference and to see where you've come now and to have a look at what you've done, you know, 243 NBL games later, four championships later, you've played for Australia in 3x3 basketball, you've won a gold medal, you've been to the World Cup and the amount of work you're now doing to, to help so many people in so many areas. I mean, I couldn't imagine 10 years ago that that you would have had the basketball career that you've had and that you've turned into the incredible role model away from basketball that you have. I, I, I imagine you couldn't have imagined that was in your future either. 
Oh, mate, absolutely. And I mean, if you, you strip it back to, I mean, it's funny enough and it's, it's a remarkable story in a way um, where that connection with Ben is like even as a 16-year-old adolescent, um, it was literally a case of, um, you know, Ben pulling me aside and, and I was a year nine student and he asked me to be on a, in a touring team for a national championships to strip it back where, you know, I was sleeping at ovals and, um, yeah, drugs and alcohol quite, you know, prominent in my life. Mm. Obviously something I'm not proud about, but yeah. it shaped me who I am to then, yeah, you fast forward to coming back and, you know, being a little bit naive where I, I got offered a contract under then coach well, Scott Fisher, um, you know, after a, a year of college thinking, you know, I'll, I'll be a shoe in to, to get to be gig. To being a development player and you know i was ready to not ready to give it up in terms of um basketball like but in my pursuit of becoming an nbl player um just because i i had given it a fair crack and felt like i'd done everything i could to in terms of the opportunities that were given to me and mate it's crazy to think that literally stevie way never leads the wildcats like that's the end of my you know my, i would have been a different pathway i don't yeah. know whether i would have been i mean i still would have been advocating the importance of mental health but i would have never had the platform no. It is. It's. Um, I'm a firm believer. Things happen for a reason, and um, you know, I, it is. It is. It is remarkable. And I look back, and obviously, like some real fond memories, and you know, the the friendships. And it's even funny enough, you know, listening to Wervo last week, and you, you talk about you know, the friendships and the brotherhood. Um, but I'm. I, I am. I'm very fortunate and lucky that I've had such an incredible career. You know, even to you know, travel around the world last year playing. Mm. Um, to only think. It could have been completely different, you know, between me and Tommy Jervis for a gig. and yeah. um, But it could have been the case. Stevie Way says, no, nah, I'm happy with my role. <laughs> and he stays yeah. there. And um, yeah, I, don't, I honestly wouldn't, I don't know what I would have been doing. You mentioned, you know, that um, touring team that we went away on, Greg, and you played on some, um, some pretty impressive teams. Um, you know, that experience of going away and sort of being the youngest guy uh, on that team um, and someone that was sort of not even a bottom age, I think you're a couple of years younger than the kids that we took away. Like, that's kind of always been your MO is that person that's a bit out of your depth. What's, you know, what have you sort of, why have you sort of always think you've thri- thrived in those sort of situations? Oh, I think I think it's two forwards, and even I look at Ben, and obviously, you know, like I had some like incredible. It's funny, like that was the start of a, like a blossoming friendship with Matt Schmestic, who I you know won a championship with, and he was sort of that. And I guess it was sort of that's how it's then with Wildcats. Like I was a pest, so like I literally like the older guys that had to, were achieving special things. Like I would make sure, like I would. I guess be under their wing and uh, be mentored, even if they didn't like to, 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 you know, if they weren't in a capacity. And that was, you know, how, you know, me and Robbo ended up becoming best mates and how I, you know, had the ambitions to be in the leadership with the Wildcats. Like I basically forced my way into him. And, you know, I always, you know, like, you know, there's two folds, like to be a, a successful player, you know, you either an incredible talent, you know, like a Bryce Cotton or, Mitch Creek, these guys around the league, or you can forge a really successful career of being a specialist, you know, like, um, and what I found out at a, you know, very young age was, I guess, my enthusiasm and energy, which can sometimes be contagious, but it allowed me to, you know, be passionate on the court and to really impact games that way was something that I could control, you know, and, and I learned that all the time, you know, as much as, you know, your role changes. You know, as you know, I used to be a star player in SBL, and 
um, you know, and then in high school you you change, but you've got to be able to be, be able to adapt. Um, but yeah, no, look, I think during those times, um, just being adaptable and 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 growing as not only a player and person allowed me to be successful. Who's that we can hear in the background? And, yeah, so that's what, <laughs> my little man. So as, as Ben would know, like school days, like he comes home and he's a he's a grumpy guy like his dad. So <laughs> as you can hear, as, as I got on this show, I sat out for an iPad and I thought, yeah, I'm good here. And, and, <laughs> and he's, and he's gone, best laid so. plans always go. How old, is, how, how old is he now? How old is he now, Greg? Uh, he's four years old, and the little girls too, uh, just a little bit more than two. So. Um, yeah, no, it's um, mate, it's, it's the best thing in the world. Um, I mean, any any parent says that. Um, you know, it's it's funny even when he's not even been asked, but you know, like obviously the the, the enormity of what's been happening in the world and yeah. the seriousness nature. You know, you try and look at the positives. Oh, well, I try and seek out, and it's allowed me to spend a little bit more time with them. Um, you know, that was a, a big reason of me retiring was to spend more time and that definitely wasn't the case once you enter the you know the workforce yeah this has sort of allowed me to sort of adapt a little bit and, and spend some time some quality time which has been nice well again for me like just you know, thinking about your growth and your your career um mm. and i've seen a little bit on social media from you uh the last couple of weeks or so just about we tend to get caught up in this now everything needs to be happening now and i I saw something the other week about we're ranking the top 16 under 16 (laughs) players and i I tell your story and i tell uh, matt schmetting's story and and that sort of thing about you know you were guys that you know matt made an under 18 state team as his first one you made under 20s as your first state team you continually overlooked and you know sometimes it's about um just blocking out that noise and and focusing on you know on yourself and 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 doing that like did you ever use like where they spoke about his motivation being that he didn't get picked for an AIS um, scholarship mm. you know were those sorts of things as they were happening around you or was it always you were you know you just knew you know those Hungarian legs weren't gonna get you above <laughs> the ring and you were gonna have to have to outwork everyone like when when did when was that realization that it was just going to be hard work that got you to where you are yeah, it, it's funny. Like, I mean, my game's never been pretty. And um, even like as an under, under 18, I even look back at it. I used to, I remember I made my first team. I mean, even that, I got cut um, at my under 18 tryouts. Like, um, yeah. as WA basketball happens, like, you know, I wasn't invited to any sort of, you know, there was no real spotlight. I was a real late, you know, bloomer. And I remember being cut. And like our head coach, Mal Keen, wasn't even at the tryout. Um, it was just like a bunch of the assistants and the, the the network coaches. And I remember shooting around and and hanging around because I was waiting for my mum to pick me up. And they were doing a run to Reball, and I was just by myself. And literally at the point, I was like, maybe I'll just catch a bus home. Mum's pretty late; she'd be working all the time. And Mal came across and was like, "What are you doing here?" And I was like, "I got cut." <laughs> what do you mean? And he's like, uh, "Okay." And he actually invited me back like the next week. He's like. Yeah, you know, right. um, you know, they were training at a senior high or something, which was like a pretty like I thought for myself like this is going to be pretty embarrassing, you know. Like I just got cut, and these were guys that you played against wobble, you know, up and from under twelves, you know. And I remember rocking up, and everyone's like, "What are you doing here?" And I was like, "Yep," you know. And I ended up, yeah, having like an unbelievable campaign, and and yeah, made all that, and 
I guess it's just been, I guess, the situation that that's how I played. You know, like I remember that top age 18, like I was regarded as a shooter. <laughs> as that's funny enough, as I maybe that was my weakness as I got onto my professional sense was my shooting ability. But you know, I always like relied on grit, and I remember even like retiring, and it was always when I said that it was like. You know, for me, is the one thing that you can control is effort level and, you know, you can impact the game. And, and I always took great pride in that, you know, especially being a WA guy. Um, you know, I remember when I first, you know, when, when Chris, you were involved, like there was no Western Australian players involved. You know, it was just myself and, you know, Tom was coming through. And, yeah, you had development players. But for me, like, that's who I love. Like, that's who I admired growing up was Watterson. You know, like a guy, a role player that, you know, yeah, obviously had a great, yeah, you know, he had some hairstyles that I may have tried to replicate, <laughs> but, you know, it was just sort of, he went through SPL, played the amount of games he did, you know, he didn't average more than five points, you know, this sort of, um, sort of like, yeah, just the way he played. And but the more so what I respected was how he was admired amongst his teammates and his peers, you know, like if you would have said who's, you know, one of your favorite teammates, like what I would have always been at. Uh, maybe because of what he did off the court as well, but you know, like that was that was something that I always really held in that regard. And so, yeah, you're right. Like for me, I mean, I remember when I was coming through. Like even I was, I remember I was an undersized four man, and you know, my very first year as a development player, I was like, I need to make sure every single game, and you know, like very first, and I was a huge, I guess, transition as I came back into the SBL and we won our first championship with the Wolves. Like I remember my very first weekend was against Perry Lakes and maybe Eastern Suns or somewhere and yeah, I had, you know, thirty and twenties and it was like for me it was like okay, points would come, but rebounding is like that effort and you could, you know, like I know the next level, you know, scoring that's not going to be my role, but if I can, you know, be one of the most you know, um efficient rebounders, that's something I could hold my hat on and yeah, I mean, back to the original, it's, you know, I talk about ranking points. It's something I think, unfortunately, we're seeing it with social media. These young kids get consumed, you know, just by so much. And, you know, when I when I came through, like, there wasn't, you know, we had MySpace in the top eight, you know, but message boards, <laughs> message boards and forums. But even that, like, I'd remember be reading it and you'd, you know, um, get impacted. And I see that and even when I was being a professional athlete and I'd, you know, with with keyboard warriors and all that sort of stuff. Like, you know, if I'm a 30 year old elite athlete that who thinks they're pretty resilient and I still get um, affected by what is put out online, said about me by strangers, I can only imagine what a 16 or 17 year old kid would feel 100%. seeing a ranking yep. and not seeing him be involved. And that was my yep. reason of saying that it wasn't the case of, Hey, not acknowledging how that is. And I, I, I peeped through the comments and, you know, some of those players who I actually think are really, you know, good sort of um, players coming through were sort of trying to justify why they were ranked um, and then guys yep. that sort of weren't ranked. And for me, that's just wasteless energy. Like, who is even those people doing those ranking points? And we get consumed. And, I mean, it's – I mean, I don't, I'm not sure if it's been announced just yet, but, um, you know, I'm, I'm helping out with Conrad and the under-20s state team and um, as an assistant coach. Yep. For, for me, that's – you know, I don't have the commitment to be able to coach in, in a real big regard. But for me, it's the first step of trying to give back to juniors and in their transition to hopefully become Wildcat players or go to college. Um, because I think we we worry so much about mixtapes and Instagram or, you know, showing this out or in the gym or highlight tapes. Because, mate, I went to college 
and it was VCRs, you know, and they didn't care about it. It was until I went to Sydney Kings and showed, you know, what I had. Um, you know, just stuff like that. And, and I think we waste so much energy on stuff that we can't control. And, you know, I'd only wish that I can, you know, as a... As a as an adult, you know, sorry, as a teenager, I may have been able to get that advice as well and not waste energy. Just touching a bit more on that, Greg. Obviously, the, since you've started up a stitching time, you've done some amazing work. But it, it's about partnering up now with other sporting organisations to make sure you can can reach as many people as possible and to and to positively impact as many people as possible. How important is the recent? Deal that you've come to terms with with basketball WA and 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 what do you expect that to, to now involve? Oh, massive, significant. I mean, I think for me, um, you know, like a huge part of that was um, sport is more than. I mean, we're seeing it in, in the current climate in the world right now. Mm. Um, sport is, is it's much more than sport. It's more than basketball. It's a family. It's a brotherhood. It's something that you rely on and. You know, as a as an adolescent growing up, like you know, and I've I've spoken about it, like Ben was, mate was like a lifesaver. Literally, um, you know, as a as a high school student, like I needed something. I didn't have didn't have anything consistent in my life that um, provided structure in my life that whatever was going on in my environment, I relied on going to training. So it was like you know, when he goes, I'll oh, come to Woodvale Senior High at seven o'clock in the morning to get an Indian. That was. That was what I wanted. And hmm. the next year, you know, as, as I go to Wanneroo and you know, as part of my teens, like whatever, if my life was falling apart around me, um, I knew that on Wednesday night I was going to be at Junilat Basketball Stadium at 6.30, you know, and training finishes at 8.30, but I could hang around for a little bit longer, you know, and to escape. And so by partnering with BWA, like it allows us this opportunity to start communicating. We're not communicating. People know this, but, not only the importance of mental health, but how coaches, volunteers, um, the, you know, the leadership groups and, and all that, um, give them a little bit more structure, a little bit of guidance, and a little bit of um, you know, educational piece and what they can really truly do because sport's a pretty powerful vehicle, you know, and I think, you know, I just got done presenting today to four school, like four different schools and, you know, these, these kids – they're inundated with data and content from schoolwork. And so when they go to, to the club, you know, sport, they obviously want to play a game that they love, but they also want to connect with their peers and their coaches, people that they trust. And I think that's the power of this. And, you know, we're, we're partnering with them. We're partnering with Cedar. Um, you know, I've obviously got a huge passion of trying to target, you know, target um, low socioeconomic areas and marginalised groups. And I work with Indigenous um, teams as well. And, um, to give back but I think that's the powerful nature of that is with sport you can really connect on so many different platforms so I'm excited to see where it goes I mean for us you know it's a six-month evaluation we want to um, modify and adapt just like the mental health landscape continues to adapt and evolve but um, we hope yeah through this will be a pretty powerful thing. You've obviously achieved the pinnacle in sport and nothing would take away the joy of winning championships at, at NBL level but does anything quite compare to when, especially you can go to a, it's probably a small remote community and see the troubles they're having, and actually have an impact on people's lives and help help them achieve something in their lives or help them find happiness, help them find peace, whatever it is you do, but to help them in some way. Does anything compare to, to I guess, the satisfaction you must get from that? 
like birth of your children, even though I'm not yeah, the cool. <laughs> I'm not the product of that. But yeah, um, yeah. yeah look. I mean, yeah, look, and I, and I think it's, you know, I look at the NBA and you and you look at, I'm obviously comparing myself, but, you know, you obviously want to leave a legacy that transcends more than just on the court, mm. um, you know, and, and you know, and I think why you see that across the SPL is the best coaches. Like, I think um, it's not just X's and O's, you know, it's having an understanding, you know, it's even funny talking enough to, you know, current players and, you know, you talk about systems in place and, um you know, coaches that are highly respected, just like the person that's on the line, is because they don't just go, let's worry about the strategy in place. You know, they they um, ask questions about your family and, and all that sort of stuff and what's going on. And, and I think, you know, when you ask me that, like, absolutely, I think, you know, I've, I've received phone calls at one in the morning, um, messages, um, you know, not so more so seeking out support, but more so um, thanking, yeah. um, and that's quite hum- humbling. Um, like there's no, I, you know, when you when you compete for in the NBL, whatever sport you, you're competing for, winning and, and championships. Like at the end of the day, that's what you're doing out there just to make up numbers. Mm-hmm. But I didn't get into this sector or this landscape to to get to receive those messages, you know, and, and I, what I, I do know is, is that we are making impact because we do get it evaluated, but it, it was always um, a thing that you can't measure um, knowing that, yeah, you may have not only changed a life, but save a life. Um, like that's ultimately a goal. And, you know, it's funny you say that I, I just presented with Brad Robbins um, mm-hmm. and as we were, you know, I was driving home and we were sharing, you know, just everything. And, and sometimes we have that reflection where you're just like, wow, like, how bloody awesome is this? You know, yeah. like, yeah, we're, we're both professional athletes. I just, you know, spoke to, you know, um, year six group or 50 year 12 students. And we sort of, we go, you know, if you just, if you walked out and you might not ever hear it, but there'll be one kid there that might go home to their parents and say, Hey, I'm struggling. Like you can't measure that. Like that's goosebumps sort of stuff that you're like, wow, you know, like this is, this is pretty special. And, and to know that, like, and it stems from that, like, I know for a fact, and that's why I don't take it likely, that if I wasn't a Perth Wildcat player, I wouldn't be in this space. Like, I wouldn't be able to do the amount of advocacy work that I do because um, ultimately, like, it helps. Um, and so that's as long as I can, like, and leverage that to, to know that. I mean, it's funny. I go to year six and they look at me and they say, oh, here's a six-foot-six guy with horrible hair and that's grey and, and facial hair that he's been growing for four years. And they're sort of looking at you. But then as soon as I say, oh, you know, I played for the Wildcats for 10 seasons, like an alertness, like, oh, all right, we'll yeah. listen. Um, yeah. And so, look, I don't take I, I don't take it for granted and try and leverage it because um, it can be a pretty powerful tool. Did you ever, ever think, say, 10 years ago as – someone who sometimes struggles with the English language almost to the point where it is like a second language, <laughs> that, that your job would be um, public speaking and, you know, spreading that message in all seriousness, you know, that's that's now what you're doing. Like, is was that, again, 10 years ago, you're, you're trying to become a professional athlete, but now this is what you're doing. Was that, you know, always there, that that was what you wanted to do? Yeah, I think, you know, like, and I say it's how there's like there's a there's a reason and it's your why. And I remember, you know, like as a development player going into, you know, I was only I always say this, my very first paid uh paycheck salary 
I pay slip was like two dollars forty five an hour as a development player. And I like I don't understand how you can even get paid that, but I got it. I loved it. <laughs> I worked three jobs, and I and I guess the reason it was like I ended up working for wheelchair sports WA and and um, as a youth support worker um, at the city of Wanneroo. But even then, like I'd go into these like. Um, initially like going into these youth um youth groups like youth centers like they didn't know who i was but it was just um that all they cared about was that they were valued that i knew their name and so like even yep. from that standpoint like i just kept seeing that and how how they could grow and how they could manifest and you know like from the, the language like i mean i even it's funny, I, I can't pronounce THs at the end of words. I can say at the start. And so even like I use this story about saber-toothed tigers and like Brad, I, every single time if he's there, I can see him chuckling because he like he doesn't understand how I can't do it and I've tried. Um, so I, I sort of like embrace it in a way. And um, look, I know my weaknesses, I know my strengths. And yeah, as, as you said, like, you know, English language isn't one of those, but um, now, look, I'm I'm always happy to, to take the PI double five out of myself. So, um, no, nah, it's not too bad. And I mean, it's funny. Like, I mean, my mum learned <laughs> it was an illegal immigrant, and I mean, she actually was an illegal immigrant, and um, she learned English language from learning from Jehovah's Witnesses knocking at your door. So, like, <laughs> I actually have like an appreciation where some people hate Jehovah's Witnesses. I like thank him because I'm like, oh, we actually <laughs> stayed here longer because that's how <laughs> my mum learned the language. <laughs> yeah, there you go. You've, you've talked about your bond with Ben over over since you were in year nine at school. Um, what was it that then like? When you made the move down to the Rockingham Flames a couple of years ago to play against Ben and and the Junlup Bulls, was that a, a strange experience? Oh yeah, strange, difficult, absolutely. I mean, the you know it was nicknamed the Mayor of Wanneroo. Mm. Um, I think because there was no other nicknames, and I started playing <laughs> minutes, and Lockie was like, "Where do we go here?" <laughs> yeah. Um, but um, yeah, look, I think yeah, I mean, look, that's a club. I mean, I started that. Um, well, yeah, now Warwick was Sterling, like as a young junior, and then went to Wanneroo, and but that's where I really sort of made my name for myself. Um, and I obviously came back from college, but like r- realistically, you know, like from what Scott Hood gave me in my very first, you know, like as I started as a, a really skinny nineteen-year-old kid, um, to then coming back as a, you know, again development player Wildcats, to then leading, um, you know. Uh, to, to getting a championship and, and I guess realistically a, a pretty successful era um, mm. in, in the Wolves like for that sort of started I think obviously from what Mick sort of installed McDowner installed and then what Ben continued on um, and like I, I, I still think it's it's unheralded how successful that era has been and obviously you're judged on championships no doubt but I mean, I look at it and you go two championships in seven years, like, I mean, grand fi- seven grand finals. Mm. Unfortunately, everyone just doesn't, you know, that's the tall poppy th- syndrome, you know, like yeah. at some time, you know, Lakeside were dominant and they didn't win championships as well. Um, but, you know, um, no one, <laughs> I mean, more people love Andy Stewart now, but when he was winning, he definitely wasn't a much loved and heralded yeah. character, you know, yeah. and that's just that's just the way it is. And unfortunately, it's sort of the case where in two, three years, people may speak about the walls and we'll hope they continue winning. But yeah. you know, and that's just the way it is. But in terms of 
yeah, playing, it was obviously weird. Um, you know, a lot of those guys that I played against um, are really close mates of mine, like yep. Maxi, Reese Maxwell was a, was a groomsman of mine, you know, mm-hmm. those guys like Damo and even, you know, like seeing Doug Gates being like, I just caught up with Dougie on Monday night. Like these are guys that, you know, that's why you love SBL, right? Like, yeah, there's the championships, but it's the four-hour, eight-hour trips to to Geraldton and it's mm-hmm. those guys sneaking me into the nightclubs, you know, like as a 17-year-old kid and, you know, Seb Salinas staying up all, all day the next day. Like, that's what you play SPL for at the end of the day is for that. Like, it's obviously championships, but it's, it's at the end of the day, it's really it's semi-professional, it's amateur sports. It's the, the memories, it's the brotherhood, it's that, you know, and, you know, and that was, that's, that's, um, yeah, that's why I continue to obviously play once I got done. But yeah, obviously a weird feeling. I never really got out, like sort of could find a, like it was a, a different, I never, it wasn't like a, a fixture I looked forward to. Yeah. You know, it wasn't a case of, you know, like in other times where like, I remember every single time of once I played for Wolves, I would always want to smash Sterling. Like it was a point mm-hmm. to prove like as a junior, I wasn't really respected and, and I sort of, in a way, it was like it was a good move to move to Sterling, and it sort of was that was done. Like it was, it was a real weird. Whereas when I played for Rocco um, and was playing for Rocco, it was sort of like this is just bizarre, you know. Um, mm. But hey, you just got to play every game like you can. And I remember when we had those initial conversations that when you were coming back, and essentially this is you know this is talking to the heart of what Greg is about. When when we sat down and spoke about it, the team that he could have the biggest impact at, as far as the leadership and the off the court, uh, he looked at what we had at Wolves. And he's like, "You've already got all that in place. You've got Robbie, you've got Seb, you've got Trian, Maxi, you know Ben Einmungers come. All those kids are coming through. Whereas at Rockingham, they don't have that. And like that was essentially what our conversation was about. It was about where can Greg have that biggest impact." And that was where it was going to be out of the two teams. That was where he could go and do all the stuff he'd done early on in his career and was given almost the license to do that. Like when someone wants to, that's their aspirations and I'm going to provide them as much opportunity to do that. And, you know, Greg took that and he ran with it and that sort of set up the next phase of his career. And then once you are an established leader, you're looking at where can I have that biggest impact. And again, you look at the now everything that's happening down at Rockingham and those kids that are coming through and all the stuff that's going on around it, look for the common denominators. Look at mm-hmm. the way that Joondalup took off in the early 2010s to what Rockingham's doing now. What's that common denominator? It's Greg Hire. And that's sort of that, you know, he, again, probably now is not the, the leading scorer or the leading rebounder, but the influence he has on those people around him is immense and you know that's the part that you know, other than being a, a great dad and, and a, a great member of the community and all that that's what Greg does he's, he's he drags people along with him um, and I think right now with that little um, niche that he's got himself into with the, the the mental health aspect and a stitch in time it's a, it's a credit to Greg and I couldn't be prouder of him for what he's turned himself into in the last you know 15 to 20 years no, I appreciate it I mean looking you know, it's funny, like, you, you look at the next phase of life, and that's even, you know, why I had no real ambitions of playing in the West Coast Classic was, 
Um, whilst it's a it's a great and a testament to the league to, to put something up, like for me, I hold myself up to really high standards um, in a way of holding others accountable. And I just knew I wouldn't be able to commit to a, a nine-week season um, and to and to hold the standards of what I expect from the team and and that if I couldn't, you know, I couldn't replicate that. I mean. Mm. I use this as the perfect opportunity. I mean, I'm presenting <clears throat> on Tuesdays and Thursdays or, or Wednesdays. I mean, what nights the tra- SPL clubs train, you know, and, and yep. leverage that. And, you know, and, and I look at that, look, I still love the game. And even three on three, it's funny. You know, the, the world, I, was, I was literally supposed to depart to Japan a week before COVID really was, yeah. was a, a big thing. Like, yep. and, um, yep. like there was literally a, um, a, a ship that was docked at Japan and I remember like had my flight booked and my mother-in-law was like, you know, there's something called um, COVID-19 happening. I was like, yeah, it's just a, it's a media. Yeah. It's, it's fake news, but um, mm. <laughs> much to my surprise, it definitely wasn't the case, but um, no, I appreciate the kind words, Ben, but yeah, I mean, look, I think it's, you know, it's, it's good, you know, and I think it's something that's been lacking, not maybe lacking, um, hasn't been tapped into in terms of what WA basketball has been able to produce. Um, in terms of you know, and I, like a, it's great to see Wervo back in there and other guys. I just for me, even going into the twenty state team, like I, I know I need to pay my dues. Like I, I look at it, I look at say guy and don't be long winded, but Adam Ford and these guys and, and even people that have. It's funny you say everyone wants instant results, right, Ben? And it's Coaches, even, you know, we see it so much past players all of a sudden become head coaches, you know, like immediately. And and for me, I'm like, well, how? How do they even, you know, like understand, understand how to do a body of work? Is Rico in an Islamic <laughs> um, age. I don't know. You're a little one. Um, but, <laughs> yeah. Stop just <laughs> But um, even that, like, you know, I wanted to pay, like, even this, I, you know, when – uh, Conrad sort of approach. I was like, perfect, you know, like I can sink my teeth into it and, and see if that's something I want to get into later in life. And, um, you know, like I think that's even like players just feel like they're warranted. Oh, look, I've, I've had a successful career. I'll make a successful coach. And that definitely isn't the case. And, um, yeah, like I'm excited for the next phase of my life. For me, it's, it's to help juniors just get prepared to be in it what what it means to be a professional athlete or an elite athlete and it's not just you know getting shots up it's everything you know from from sleep to eating to um you know a little bit of sacrifice um to, to all that sort of stuff but now i'm excited i'd be a bit surprised and probably disappointed if we've seen the last of you on a basketball court too i guess because of covid we don't know what What's happening with three x three wise? But once competitions get back up and running, there will you be putting your hand up and then looking ahead to next uh, year? Will you be playing uh, back I, in Rockingham? Absolutely. I think you know, and it's funny, and this is even like it's that that balance. And I think you know, like you asked, what do I get motivated? And it was like going to Rocco was a challenge. Mm. Like not only because of. Um, I mean, I obviously had a strong culture. I mean, that was part of the appeal, and I think they've actually tried to shift it. I mean, I remembered like when I first started playing, it was that that stereotype. You know, you, you're going against Bogans, um, and like, but like, I love that, like, yep. because I mean, that was my gritty style. And so, like, even if Rocco was sitting at like 14 or 15 on the ladder, like, you knew you were going to wake up sore in the morning because they just, you know, you had guys that were going to be um, tenacious and everything they did. And so when I went down there, I was like, 
it's not like I'm creating something new. It's more so molding that there and, and um, you know, like just um, sort of assisting in that pathway. Like they've obviously got some really, you know, like with Ryan Godfrey leading it, like some really good guys. And so like but that challenge was exciting. And so like I, I'm not trying to be egotistical, but like I, I you know, I've won four NBL championships and that, and that SBL one is, is right up there because of what the club and what now is happening and what that meant to me. Mm. Um, so for me, it's like, well, what, what else over there? And that's what 3X3 is doing, you know? Like, yep. um, you know, obviously that carrot of going to the Olympics was was like a pretty big carrot, and which mm-hmm. is unfortunately going to go away just because of the qualification um, yeah. situation. But it's a Commonwealth game sport, you know, like up until like this year, was, you know, like there was – mate. I, we were pretty much in discussions with playing in Abu Dhabi, Maldives, Dubai, like Debrecen, Romania. Oh, wow. You know, like to play in six countries, you know, and they're pretty like in terms of you leave on a Friday morning, you play a few games and then come back home. Like that's that's crazy, you know. Mm. And so like but that's awesome. And so for me, I'm like, well, I want to sink myself, like sink that into it. And so if in that regards, in terms of how that works of SBL, I really don't know because mm-hmm. like, you know, like as much as, I mean, if, if Rockingham say, hey, well, sweet, we don't mind you missing these games and doing that, absolutely. But I can't, I would never be offended or whatever if a club's like, hey, we need a little bit more commitment. Because that's that's realistically what I want to do now is because I look at that and go, look, right now, 2022 in Birmingham, to be able to play for Australia 3x3 for the first time ever, like, I mean, we keep like, like saying, would you imagine this? But if someone goes, hey, you retire from five on five mm-hmm. and then you're, you know, walking out um, at an opening games for you know, opening ceremony for the Commonwealth Games, like I would have been like, mate, my mum was an illegal immigrant. I don't even know how I became <laughs> Australian. So like, yeah, like there's a little bit of pinch me moments. And yeah. so for me, like, again, that's like, yeah, there you go. And I've even spoken, you know, like obviously even you know, some people reach out, oh, the motivation of MBL1. I'm like, look, there's some motivation for some other people, but that's yeah. not what, what, what gets excited. That's why you know, it's ditching time. That's That excites me. Um, 3X3 excites me. And don't get me wrong, giving back um, to the SBL and that excites me, but it's just exploring different avenues and how that helps. But no doubt, I'll, I'll obviously go. I think the best thing, and I, you know, it was awesome. Like I saw last week, Seb Salinas brings his little girl out on the court. Like mm-hmm. that's what I love, you know. And my little fella's four, and you know, when you do that, like that's stuff that you, you, you know, on the you, you want to do. Like um, so ideally, hopefully, I'll, I'll be playing. Um, but again, it will be a situation of, yeah, what what club says, hey, yeah, we're more than happy to sort of do that. And again, I, I'm I'm not the least bit offended. And I don't. I'm not trying to. Uh, I'm not egotistical enough to say, "Hey, I, I warrant this." Um, you know, I've done. I've got the runs in the board. Help me out. Mm. Um, it just be sort of what can what can be what's the best in terms of everyone. No, makes a lot of sense. You, you, you've been generous with your time, Greg, and I really appreciate it. You got one last question for for him, Ben? No, good. Oh, look, yeah. Look, one last question from me again. You've played in in front of some pretty big crowds, and as you just spoke about, you've um. You know, you travelled the world now with three on three basketball. Does does anything ever compare to the um the crash down at the Mandra Aquatic and Recreation Centre? <laughs> um, those those memories that you have of, of me delivering a few pregame talks, just sort of in lightness on a on a couple of but, those, maybe. But it might even be what happened prior to the um 
third pre-game talks. So, I mean, unfortunately, like it's a PG show or G-rated show, so I can't delve into it. I don't but think it, has, it said, doesn't have to be. Well, I mean, all I know, I mean, I've got a pre-game ritual, and if anyone um, listened to what George Hill spoke about prior to why he missed the anthem, um, which is very similar. Week, um, yeah, so when you've got to do your business, you've got to do your business, and unfortunately... <laughs> That sort of is only the side; those toilets are the sides of my son's potty. So, um, <laughs> but and they're situated. Being a, being a creche, they're situated in the middle of the creche, and there's no. They're designed oh, for absolutely. people that are three 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 foot tall, so the doors are only like four foot high. So I'm delivering my pregame talk, and and Greg's sitting on a, a one foot high toilet, looking looking over the edge of the stall while I'm delivering the talk. One of the one of the most confronting moments when we made eye contact. Oh. Of my coaching career. <laughs> this is the thing too. I think the managers would stick, like they would all of a sudden have to put put their uh, their amount of chlorine to fix the court. Like as you were going in there, so like you'd go in there, you're crying as you're walking to the back, um, and then as you go on the court, all you can smell is hot chips. It wasn't. It, it's a. It was a. It's a unique venue to play in. That's for sure. <laughs> it was and very then, nice. Now, you, that, now they've upgraded. Yeah. Absolutely, and then you and then you've got Trahair, and you only have to worry about him for a for a quarter. He'll hit that hit five threes, and then he'll fatigue. So it's it's a good thing. Uh, very good, very good, awesome. chat, mate. Boys, no, appreciate it, lads. Really appreciate it. No, thanks, Greg. Really, I mean, with everything you do, I appreciate you taking some time out to speak to us here on SBR Shootaround, and yeah, all the best with everything that you're doing, and I'm sure we'll catch up again soon. Sounds good. No, really appreciate, it, guys. Well done on everything. Okay, welcome back to SBL Shoot Around, and I hope you all enjoyed that chat to, to Greg Hire. He's now he's now a legend of WA basketball for everything he's done over the past decade. But I have a feeling he's going to have an even bigger impact in what he's doing off the off the court now for the next 10, 20, 30 years. So th- thanks to Greg for his time, and and thanks for everything he continues to do because I think you know providing help for people with mental health issues or that might have mental health issues or that are struggling with something, it's just a greatly under underrated thing right now. And, you know, for everything he's done in basketball, this is going to be a bigger legacy that, that he leaves, I think, Ben. Yeah, and that's what you you want your your players and, and, and people to be doing is how can you how can you make someone else's life better? That's true leadership, giving a little bit of yourself to, to help someone um, that I've sort of always admired about Greg. So, yeah, great work by him and mental health is something that we, we all should be more aware of and, and, and there for, for others to, to help them as much as we can. Yeah, for sure. So thanks again to Greg Hyatt for his time. Now it's time to have a look at round seven in the West Coast Classic. This is the third last round, and as we've talked about, with eight teams in the finals hunt, every game that any of those eight teams are involved in now are extra important. So let's start on Friday night. Unfortunately, two teams probably not in the hunt, but it'll still be an interesting game. Looking forward to seeing how this one plays out at Wally Hagen Stadium, Ben. Coburn Cougars and the Southwest Slammers. Yeah, look, times start getting a little bit funky, and I think uh, the Slammers will be riding high on their performance last weekend. I'm gonna, I'm gonna tip the the Slammers in an upset in this one on Friday night. They, they are used to playing on Friday nights. Um, this they time, are, the yeah. the trip's going the other way. But um, I was really impressed with what I saw last week, and I think that little sniff of success. Um, we'll, we'll put them in a in a good spot for this weekend. So Slammers just over the Cougars in this one. Tough to know just who's going to play for the Cougars, assuming at least one of Gavin Field or Luke Travis comes back. And I think I'll 
I'll stick with the Cougars. This is another tricky one because East Perth's playing well and Lakeside, we don't know about their personnel either. So at um, Herb Graham Recreation Centre, the East Perth Eagles, Lakeside Lightning. Yeah, I think we'll see all the uh, the old foes back in there for, for Lakeside, Bowie and Vigor and, and Eisenberger will, will, will be there for this one. So I'm going to go Lakeside in this one. Too big, uh, I guess, for, for East Perth, but um, a good game. Probably a good one for Shaq, given that the the uh, Lakeside wings are going to be there. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I think Lakeside as well, just because they have to win. I think any any loss now for a team in their position could could end up being costly. Another no, this this will be a real a real good game. Willington Basketball Stadium, Willington Tigers, and the Warwick Senators. And for me, this one is going to come down to that depth. As we saw a couple of weekends ago, when the Senators go to that lineup off the bench uh, with React and 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 Man Yang um, on the floor, I just think their depth is probably going to be a little bit too much for the Tigers. You know, they match up very well in starting fives, but that 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 Warwick Senators team goes way too deep, and I think that that'll be the difference in this one. So the Senators for me. I agree with everything you're saying, but on their home floor, I'm going to stick with Bulletin because I'm just really impressed with with the way they're click, clicking right now. So there we go. We've already got a couple couple of different in the first three games, Ben. Yeah, that's fair enough. Now, Saturday, Geraldton Buccaneers, they remain at home for the rest of this competition, so they're going to be tough to beat every week, and they're hosting the Perry Lakes Hawks. I, again, would never tip the Bucks to lose up there on their home court. I think they're starting to build some momentum. We're seeing some good play out of their, their older guys, and they've got some good support off the bench. So probably think the, the Hawks might be looking and saying a couple of week finals, um, veterans cards might come out, mm-hmm. um, and that, that's going to tip it in the way of the Bucks for me. They might, but it, a loss here could also cost them a final spot. So I'm just because of that, I'm going to go for, go for Perry Lakes because I don't think they can afford to to drop it. Next up, Warwick Senators backing up. So interested to get your thoughts as they take on your Calamander Eastern Suns. Going to be a very, very tough ask and a real good litmus test for our guys as to, you know, are they actually taking on board and getting better? What we have seen is that when we have come up against these sort of upper echelon teams like the Joondalups and the, mm-hmm. the Redbacks for us, um, our boys have stood up and, and put up a, a good fight. Just, you know, we let, let the foot off the pedal there against the Redbacks a, a little bit. But uh, when challenged, our boys have stood up. So I think this is another great challenge. And as I've said all along, um, I'm always going to tip us. Um, but it's going to be a, a very big challenge for us if we, if we are going to get the win. Yeah, absolutely. Now, this game would have been a lot more interesting if you had kept the job that you'd signed for at the start of the year. But nonetheless, the Joondalup Wolves hosting the East Perth Eagles. Yeah, look, um, I think the Eagles on the back of a doubleheader. Um, it's going to be be tough for them. I think the Wolves will be still trying to cling to that couple of wins, and they would have penciled this one in as a win. So I think, yeah, the Wolves, the Wolves will get this one. Yeah, I think so too. They just can't afford to lose another game. I don't think. I think they need to win all of their last last four games to make it. Now, Lakeside Lightning also backing up at home to the Mandurah Magic. Yeah, I think Lakeside. Uh, too big and too strong in this one. Yeah, I agree. Now, this one is really important. I think almost the loser of this game can rule out making the finals just about. I think there's that much riding on it. It's in Rockingham, the Flames hosting the Perth Redbacks. I think it's a great matchup of uh, Jackson Hussey versus Marshall Nelson, um, two guys that, as we've said, have sort sort of floated around the edge of the NBL. Uh, probably the advantage that I would give the uh, the, the Redbacks in this one is it's uh, Caleb White's former team. Uh, he's yeah, very comfortable yeah. shooting 
shooting in Rockingham. It's not not exactly a, a great place to go and shoot the ball, but I think uh, the Redbacks, again, a little bit too much depth and experience. Joel Wagner was very good against us, uh, mm-hmm. just setting people up and getting them in the right spots and a tough matchup there for Travis Derner and, again, Tevin Jackson as well. Um, so I think, yeah, just uh, the the old firm of the Redbacks and, and Caleb White being on his, uh, on his old home court will get him across the line. It's hard to imagine Jackson Hussey having two games in a row that good, but that's probably what it would take to win this game, especially if Ryan Godfrey's not playing. I'd be tempted to tip the Flames if I knew for sure that Buff was playing, but I, I don't know if he's playing or not, so because of that, I'll stick with their red backs, I think. But I think it'll be a great game. Now, last up on Saturday night, this will be interesting. A long way for the Goldfields Giants to travel for this one. They head down to Eden to take on the Southwest Slammers. Yeah, it's almost the uh, the 90s version of the NBL Doomsday Double. They've mm-hmm. got the Slammers and then the Magic sort yep. of back-to-back, so... Um, not too much of a trip in the morning when they wake up. But I think, yeah, that's just those that starting five of the Giants having played the Slammers last week. I just think they've got too much size and experience. Even though they're not overly experienced, I think the Giants will have too much um, for, for the Slammers boys on the back end of a doubleheader. Yeah, I think so too. And then straight away the next day, they play in Mandurah to the Giants. So will they make it a double? I think so. I think, yeah, once again, too big. You know, Fletcher Clastorn, he's going back to his old former team. It's always interesting when a, someone goes and plays their former team. But I think Magic Mayo, just too big inside for the uh, for the young young Magic. Very tempted to tip the Magic. I, it's a, it's a, it's a, always a tough double for the, for the, the regional teams to back up midday the next day. But just because the Magic have to play as well the night before at Lakeside, I'll, I'll, tip, I'll, tip the, I'll stick with the Giants on Sunday. Now, this will be a very interesting afternoon at Ray Owen Sports Centre as well. Looking forward to heading out there on Sunday, the Calamander Eastern Suns taking on the Rockingham Flames. Yeah, again, we've got the, the job of trying to put the put the leash on Hussey and, and slow him down. Um, it's going to take a 40-minute a effort, I think, to, to do that and not get you know not let him start to impart too much of his influence on the game. Um, as I said before, looking for a big effort from Luke Franklin to, to back up from last weekend. And we may even um, be able to get that photo of the host of the SBL Shootaround and the Personality of the Year together. So I'll see if I can coordinate that. Um, oh, yeah, we yeah, both co-hosts with him. Perfect. There you go. Mm. We'll get that done. Um, but look, look, another game. Look, I think both teams are very, very similar. You know, not overly big inside. Um, lots of guards, both like to play at a fast tempo, so looking forward to it. But, yeah, look, I'll, I'll tip the Suns on, on Sunday in this one. Unfortunately, I'll stick with Rockingham. Just too much experience, too much to play for. But looking forward to seeing a competitive effort again from the, from the Suns because you're clearly developing something for the future. So um, I think you're on the right track. Now, that's around seven in the West Coast Classic done. Been, a, been another big show. Anytime you have somebody the calibre of Greg Heyer on your show, Ben, it's always going to be an entertaining show. And when we've got a competition in this West Coast Classic right now that's giving us so much to talk about, every show we're doing right now is a lot of fun, and I hope everyone's enjoying listening to it because I'm pretty sure we're enjoying bringing it to, to everybody. Yeah, look, for me, it's, uh, again, always a pleasure to talk to Greg, and I think as we uh, sort of alluded to in, in his story there, Greg was a, was a player that never made a, never made a state team until he was in under-20s, um, sort of forged his career. Um, by going to college and and then coming back and and doing all the little things that you need to do to become a professional and I think uh, you know the work that he's doing nowadays is is a testament to 
to his hard work and, and his values and the way he goes about his business and uh, really, really love the work that he's doing with the Stitch in Time and the fact that they're now partnered with BWA mm-hmm. and, and sort of, you know, pushing that mental health aspect I think is great. So, yeah, look, a great ambassador for, for basketball and a, and a great ambassador for, for, for mental health. Yeah, for sure. So we're bringing you the biggest names in WA basketball that we can every week and I think we're certainly doing a good job at that. We're doing the best that we can to break down everything that we're seeing in the West Coast Classic and really enjoying what we're doing here on SBR Shootaround. So I'm Chris Pike and I'll sign off for another week and leave you in the hands of Ben Etridge, who is the man that could very well end up being one of our all-time great coaches. We speak of John Gardner. We speak of we speak of the legendary coaches in basketball history. Fascinating to see where you end up being a head coach of next, Ben. But for now, what do you want to leave us with for another week? Oh, look, uh, I would never put myself up into those upper echelons. Um, still a lot to do and, and looking forward to wherever I may end up and wherever the journey has taken me. As I've said many, many times, basketball is the passport that's given me the ability to, to see the world and meet many, many different people and have lots of different experiences and um, enjoying the journey, enjoying this very much and enjoying um, the West Coast Classic and looking to see where the next three weeks takes takes all of us.